there's quite an interesting idea here. And in another curious coincidence, it's got a lot to do with the transition in the mind of what I suppose you'd call the common man from the ancient world through the medieval world through the Enlightenment to the modern world. In the ancient world, people were tribal and they tended to be unified. Social cohesion was created because they, well, I would say, created for themselves deities, gods, who were the embodiment of everything that their tribe stood for, believed in, their values, if you like. And this process that we call apotheosis, the making of a god out of the assumptions of a society, is ubiquitous in the world. Every culture has done it. They've done it in different ways, to different extents. They fought wars of different intensity to defend their notions of God because they were really defending their tribal identities. And some have survived, some godlike images have survived and some haven't. And for us in the West, the most obvious example is the tradition from Judea, Judeo-Christian Islamic history. But people basically orientated their lives towards God. And to think of the theme of episode 82, in doing that, they very much did embody a view that their purpose was defined in terms of serving something beyond themselves, something other than themselves. So you might think that that was a good thing. Well, in a gradual metamorphosis of this idea, without leaving the notion of divinity behind, we found ourselves transitioning tribally from chieftains, tribal chieftains, from small groups into kingdoms and even empires. And you can see this happening around about the 8th century before the Christian era all over the world as tribal groups began to accumulate in kingdoms and empires under single rulers. And then, and for pretty much 2,000 years, people started to think in terms of their loyalty to the king, who, in one of its more egregious manifestations, was deemed to be there by virtue of divine right, that he was king because God had made him king, or queen, although mostly king. And I was listening to Melvin Bragg's on In Our Time about the Battle of Crecy when Edward III inflicted a huge defeat on the French, who suffered thousands of casualties over against the English who suffered a handful because of the use of the longbow, because of the, because of the unity, the organisation, the cultural bureaucracy, if you like, that he could call upon in England to organise things. And the Hundred Years' War, about which I don't know very much, was uh, uh, won, if it was won, as a result. Score draw, I think. So we move from external devotion to God to external devotion to a king. 
And then, in that most extraordinary period of Western culture from the sort of middle of the 17th century through to about 1800 or so, the period that we generally lump together and call the Enlightenment, we find the invention of the individual. We find the notion of freedom. We find the notion that my importance lies in my importance. Not in my importance for the king, not in my importance for God, a God, but in my importance for myself. And the creation of the individual as a modern concept, as a child of the Enlightenment, has very much defined the cultural outlook of our own time, but not entirely. And so we come to the modern world, which is in a sort of limbo. And I'll come back to that in a minute. And then something started to happen. Out of the Enlightenment, out of the new, newfound freedoms that were fought so hard for, that began in the late 17th century, carried on in the 18th, and gave rise to people like David Hume and Kant, and then later in the 19th century to thinkers like John Stuart Mill, eventually we come across people like Pieter Kropotkin. And Pieter Kropotkin, in sharp contradistinction from Herbert Spencer's view of Darwin in terms of the survival of the fittest, wanted to advocate the notion of the survival of the most cooperative. That those human tribes, those human beings, who can communicate collaborate most effectively will find themselves surviving and thriving. And this is such an important idea despite the fact that it's received either scant attention or very negative attention from those who have a vested interest in the way the world is organised. The churches, the politicians, the kings, the emperors, the leaders, the rich, the powerful, all these people have poured scorn on this notion. And I'll find the reference and give it to you if you're interested, because I can now. When I talked about Kropotkin before, I'm out on a walk at the moment, so I can't look it up. When I talked about Kropotkin before, I made reference to the fact that Moravians, those who tried to build societies based upon mutual cooperation and who were often called, in a pejorative sense, negatively anarchists, not because they were Molotov cocktail-throwing madmen and women, but because they didn't believe in the traditional standards and styles of human organisation that manifested themselves in leadership in the persons of kings, princes, priests and the like. All of that, which led to the persecution of those who thought like Kropotkin, sometimes brutal persecution, in the name of God or the empire or the king, 
because it stood over against this notion that we are fundamentally cooperative beings, that we, to quote Mrs. Dalloway, Meryl Streep version again, stay alive for other people, that the purpose of our existence is defined by our purpose for other people, but not this time, and this was the unacceptable bit, not this time for a god or gods, not this time for a king or queen or emperor, not even this time for business leaders, the rich, the powerful, and in my one of my pet hobby horses, not even for celebrities who we are fodder for, as surely as we were cannon fodder in the armies that left the world stained in blood. People whose names were never known, who fought for causes in which they had no personal interest because they had no choice, and who died forgotten on a battlefield far away. All of this, the evolution of human history, can be seen in terms of these transitions from God-centred to king or monarch-centred to emperor-centred to republics, where if you look at things like the French Revolution, the republic was every bit as terrible as the the monarchy that it replaced and didn't last long and gave rise of course to Napoleon who was just as bad if you're a Frenchman of course you say just much much better but all of these things are anathema or the the Kropotkin idea the notion of mutual aid the, the notion that we are in this together the notion that we are equal sharing living for one another, this is anathema because its social and political implications are so profound. So once you've done the inversion that I talked about of seeing yourself in terms not of what, to quote Kennedy, your country can do for you but what you can do for your country, that doesn't necessarily mean and I want to stress this because I'd hate it to become a sort of excuse for some new kind of imperialism, theism, monarchism. It doesn't mean that we give ourselves up for the sake of the king or the gods or the emperor or even our company, our business, our leaders, our celebrities our sports heroes, none of that. We don't give ourselves up for that. We give ourselves to elements of that that we find in one another. In one another, those of us all being equal. People like you and me. And that, I think, is the place we find ourselves in in the modern world. It is what we should be striving for in whatever version of leaderless society based upon self-organisation and mutual cooperation we can engineer. It's fraught with difficulties. 
there are threats and dangers on every side and it could all go terribly terribly wrong as it has before but that doesn't mean that it isn't something to aspire to and of course in the great wave of democratization that will accompany all these chatbots where nobody now need be in subjection to teachers, authorities, leaders, celebrities, monarchs, gods, because we all have at our fingertips, at our elbows, at our right hand, a friend who knows more than any of them, and in whose company, in the partnership that we forge with them, because we don't think they know everything, we do sometimes reject their advice. But what we've got is a model for the remaking of human society of a kind that we've never had before. It's very exciting. There are lots of people who find it very threatening. And there are even more people who will do their level best to destroy it before it really gets going. Don't let them fool you. Hold on to it with both hands. Thank you for listening.